Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. How's it going? Welcome to everybody, Weekly Typographic podcast number 50. Pretty exciting news. I think somebody recently mentioned our podcast and said, wow, they've done 51 episodes already and counting. And I was like, did we? You know what it is? It's the interviews. Yes. Yes, you are right. Wow. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. And we have uh, at least one interview that we're both very excited for coming up. So that's going to be very cool. We're certainly hoping to talk to more. Uh, and because I think everybody kind of likes the interviews. I think they're fun and interesting. Definitely. I think like we don't always get the perspectives of type designers and type educators. We did end up finding a bunch of cool links this week, which is going to be cool to work through a couple. Well, at least the last one of which relates to our nerd alert for the week. What's our nerd alert, Olivia? Our nerd alert's super fun. I always like really amp it up when it's things that don't sound like they're fun surface level, but then I... I go in and zhuzh it up a little bit. And it is going to be talking about networking as a creative. And like, it's just this icky thing that most creatives want to just feel like they're above and beyond and don't need to worry about. But I do think it's important. And uh, you and I are going to talk about some of the methods we've used to quote unquote network. I think it's not always as obvious as it may seem. I think that's one of the secrets to networking is like not going with the obvious routes and reframing it in your mind. So we're going to talk about how we reframe it later in the episode. I like that. I think that's going to be very useful for a lot of good folks. I hope so. All right. So starting off this week, we have an awesome new article from our buddy Oliver, who oh, I'm sorry, yes. Oliver, last name. I can never pronounce it. Olivia, you're better at this. I believe it's Oliver Schoenderfer. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I hopefully you can forgive me, Oliver. But it's a fun article. Uh, he does such a great job of making these educational, informative articles about typography that are like paired with his videos. So he has this YouTube channel, and he makes these educational videos. They turn into blog posts, and this one is titled "Font Follows Function: Five Things to Check When Choosing a Font," and. We've met a lot of articles like this, and a lot of times they're a little bit too rudimentary to actually be useful. We've seen articles that are like, here's stuff you need to know. Choose a font that looks good. And is it serif or sans serif? And he does a much better job of actually saying, you know, here's some things that you need to consider about a font before you choose it for a project. And I think I mentioned to you earlier, Olivia, I really love that he frames each of these bullet points, these five bullet points with for your project, which is Mm -hmm. such a that's such a good way to work to look at it as a working designer. Yeah, absolutely. And he has really great examples of type in use as well. Um, Something I really love about, you know, this this listicle that feels superior to other listicles is that um, he kind of, he 
Oliver talks to the reader, even if they are a beginning designer, like they're an experienced designer, like they understand what they're doing. You know, he doesn't dumb anything down. Um, and he kind of talks about like the really tactical ways to approach choosing a typeface. I think that's great. You know, let's trim the fat, trim the fluff out, get down to business. And I think he just does a really great, concise and thorough job of explaining um, just some things you should check off your list. Think about licensing. Think about, you know, what if you need different kinds of characters and open type features or what language support you need. These really should be at the forefront before you start deciding typeface to typeface which one you're going to use. Yeah, I love that he brought up licensing. You know how I feel about that. I do. It's pretty cool to see this uh, all in one list here. So definitely recommend checking this out and sending it to your designer friends. So our next article, this is actually one that kind of slipped past my radar back in January that seems very interesting. It's from Creative Boom, and it's the creative director at Monotype on what it takes to be a great type designer. I think he has some really great insights in this article and talks a lot about like the philosophy of typography, you know, people connect with typography like talks about how it transcends cultures and borders and languages and times i mean like a creative director for a foundry is not a common uh job title so i mm. think it definitely is like eye-opening to hear how someone um manages you know font designers and also pushes them to different directions and spaces and not a perspective that you hear from often yeah and it's interesting too that uh you know his history was was in fashion mm -hmm. and he kind of i think through reading university he transitioned into typography as a main role but that's interesting to me because there's some very unique perspective that comes from transitioning from a different industry i think yeah absolutely and i think like you know, sometimes type designers get like so stuck into the industry that like we forget that typography is influencing fashion. It's influencing all of these other things that like maybe type designers don't necessarily think of like fashion as the pinnacle of where they see their type being, but it certainly is influential to so many people out there. It's so funny, you know, like the fashion industry is so glamorous, except I feel like type designers get hyped when they see their like type on a book cover. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's totally like, true. It speaks to like the type of people that are in the industry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this coincided too with that new version of Futura that came out. Did. And so they're Did. talking a lot about Futura, which everybody knows I love. Yeah. And that's a great example of like a typeface that certainly has stood the test of time. I mean, trendy from the 1920s on. Mm, true that. Incredible. So definitely an interesting perspective and worth sharing because it's super digestible and fascinating for people that don't really know what the heck goes on at the biggest foundry in the world. Yeah, a lot of beautiful visuals to gander at as well. Move into another side of the type world. Our next article is from Design Week. And it is a profile on FemType, which is an amazing organization started by Amber Weaver, who is a very cool young lady that I heard her speak at Type Weekend. And she talks about, you know, the mission for FemType was that she did not see representation of females in the type world. She's known there's been plenty of women that worked in type for decades, 
But even 20 years ago, recognition and appreciation of female members of the type community was just not there. And so for the last year, she's been putting on events, guest editing magazines, and sharing work of women in the world of type design. I feel really lucky. I've, I got a profile with FemType, I think, a few months ago, um, being interviewed by them. And I did really feel like excited to be seen and recognized by such an awesome organization. They also, I think, released a magazine recently, which I got my hands on, which is very beautifully produced and has some awesome work of like budding type designers in there. So I think FemType is a very cool organization that seems like it would have existed already, but it hasn't. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so it's awesome to see it um, out there and, you know, talking about creating opportunities for women in in type design. And I think we have so many people who listen to this podcast who just really love typography and mm -hmm. probably maybe don't even know that FemType exists. But I think if they did, they would also love what FemType is doing in the same way that they, you know, like people have enjoyed what we've been doing. Absolutely. I feel like I started hearing about FemType over the summer, probably from around when we started our podcast. And really, they have just been producing so much and making so many cool things. And I think I think I read that they have 70,000 followers on Instagram now. And I really don't think they've been around for over a year. So they're a movement that people clearly care about. And they've got some awesome people involved and seems to have lots of friends in common with us. Mm, totally. Micah, you found our next article here. <laughs> yeah, our next article, I just thought sounded very interesting and fun. The Golden Age of Arcade Game Typography. And as soon as I opened it up, hey, it's a beautifully set article. This blog is like great typography by itself. And it, it seems to be based on a book that came out in 2019, basically. Like a lot of this is coming from that book, Arcade Game Typography, The Art of Pixel Type. Uh, I was immediately interested because I don't know about you, Olivia, but like, I mean, well, I'm an old man and pixel type is like where I started getting interested in typography when I was a wee young lad. It was like such a trend in the 90s uh. and <laughs> like I was... I was a kid starting to learn things like Photoshop and CSS and mess around. And like, that's what I saw on forums. And so wow. if I look back at like some of the first stuff that I made, it was definitely based on this pixel trend that came from video games. I mean, I love looking at pixel fonts just because people get really creative with like a small amount of parameters yeah. certainly you know what can you do on a 12 by 12 grid well like a lot of things is what i'm finding out i first heard of this book way back in december maybe november when i love typography the blog released their gift guide this was part of their gift guide mm. um i looked into it it's like a beautifully set book so i would definitely like want to own this and have it on my shelf especially for good old reference i don't think uh pixel fonts are dead here but yeah super fun to see kind of pixel fonts up close and getting some recognition because honestly like they're not like the most top tier typography in the history of typography, but I think they're definitely notable things. I think what's really interesting, and I'm trying to find it specifically where they mention it here, but sometimes like there weren't even full fonts that were made with these typefaces. They would just design the letters that were needed for a game, and like <laughs> that was that. So I kind of love like the scrappy 
uh diy origins of it too like they weren't necessarily getting type designers to be working on these fonts they were getting people that could design period to work on them that's funny that makes sense and actually i feel like that was one of the things that i experimented with back in the day too was like oh i'm looking at these pixel fonts it's obviously just like text with tiny boxes on a grid i could like mess around with that and try to make my own which mm-hmm. maybe as a youngin inspired you know my thoughts that everybody should have access to this kind of stuff maybe deep into the depths of your brain here wild so that's a very fun article it's not even a very long article it's kind of just like dipping your toes into the topic and then you know if you're really interested in this you can go check out that book that's linked in there the author of the book is toshi omagari who is from monotype so definitely written by a type designer in case you want to make sure there was that extra layer of nerddom <laughs> yeah and it's described as it. meticulously cataloged and vividly illustrated survey of typeface design i love it that's totally up your your nerdy alley my friend i know i feel like you even mentioned when you saw this like aha funny this is actually probably a good nerd alert topic one (laughs) day i was like yeah it is i feel like that's every other phrase that comes out of my mouth when we're recording these like oh that'd be cool oh that'd be cool now is actually kind of a cool time to take a break and say hey thank you to our sponsors thank you to adobe for helping to sponsor this week's episode their creative suite is one of the standards of design software and comes with a subscription to like a giant library of fonts that you can install embed use pretty much however you like We've even got a few of our fonts in their library as well, if you're looking for those. And uh, we are grateful for them supporting the community with us. Totally. And thanks, too, to our members. Um, If you don't know, we've got a small and wonderful membership where for a tiny amount every month, you get awesome extra resources in our weekly typographic emails every week. Those are cool fonts that we found that you might want to add to your arsenal. Current jobs or gigs you might be interested in. Um, At the moment, it's only $5 a month, and we're upgrading a bunch soon. So hop in now if you want to get those goodies next week. So our next article is going to be a nice segue into our nerd alert. Um, And this is from a magazine I recently came across called Intern Mag. I think they might just go as intern, but their uh, web address is intern-mag.com. And it was actually a pretty fascinating article, and it's titled Thinking About Linking. Feel like LinkedIn can't help you build a career in the creative industries, think again. And it comes from a perspective of getting rid of all of your like assumptions and hesitations about LinkedIn and how to actually use it as a great way to frame yourself and uh, meet people and connect with people and use it to like better your creative career and network, which honestly, I feel like I am so LinkedIn adverse. I didn't. I barely ever post. I'm super shy on there. I just don't really ever hang out on my feed. And I think in many cases, I could have used just some like LinkedIn knowledge and savviness while I was freelancing, especially because some people like live on LinkedIn and swear by it. Yeah, that's kind of how the article is introduced too. Like I really relate to that, how we all have one but we don't really pay that much attention to it. And it's sort of, I, I used to look at it is, you know, the, this article is saying I used to look at it as this like 
buttoned up place that you know professionals hung out and like why would you post anything why would you go on there and i definitely relate to this and i like that this is trying to twist that on its head a little bit yeah right like i don't know they talk about all the specifics of it you know i'm talking even about connection requests um why it might be a good idea to connect with some people why not others you know if you're going to connect with someone that doesn't know you how about you tell them who you are and like how you know them uh i would like to tell that to everyone that requests me on linkedin because at the time i don't know who you are and sometimes i get badgered by these people and i'm like i don't know you and i don't know why you want to talk to me right. i like got convinced to hop on the phone with some financial advisor once because I thought he wanted to message me about a cool design project and he really just wanted to sell me a bag of goods. Oh, interesting. So, boy, oh boy, I <laughs> have to be more careful these days. But, like, honestly, if someone's just like, hey, I saw your portfolio, it's great, would love to connect. Or, like, hey, I listen to Weekly Typographic, would love to connect. Like, I will connect with you. Just, like, say something so I don't know you're, like, a creep behind a LinkedIn profile. <laughs> That's my I, PSA. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do think that that is helpful advice. And uh, I have to admit, though, like, okay, so I had I had someone contact me recently. It was actually a, a league member that I didn't get a chance to talk to recently when I was talking to a bunch of league members. And she sent me a connection request and did exactly that. Like, it was a beautiful invitation of just saying, like, hey, I am this person. We talked this one time at this place, and I know you through the league and just wanted to connect and i was like oh that's so nice and i then promptly forgot that that invitation was there because i don't know what to do with linkedin and that's yeah. what some of this is going into too about the type of content that is useful to share on linkedin yeah. and the fact that sharing content is useful on linkedin right. which i okay so i also have to preface by saying i know a few people who swear by linkedin i know thomas loves linkedin we talk about thomas all the time he's like kind of a friend of the league and uh i have a couple other friends from my time back when i was teaching code at general assembly and they would have a couple like sort of special teachers that would come in and teach you about how to effectively use linkedin mm -hmm. and I am just so fascinated by the by the fact that there is potential on LinkedIn that yeah. I am not taking advantage of. I think for so long, people thought LinkedIn was like this numbers game. And they were like, the more connections you have, the more likely you are to like get picked up by a recruiter. But now, I think that like the more intentional you are with it, like the more likely you are to better yourself in your career. I mean, it talks, there's some really good advice in here about, you know, if you're a student or a recent grad, don't say in your description, student of blah, 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 university, you can frame yourself aspirationally say, I'm, I'm a designer, you know, mm -hmm. like there are certain tips like that, that are a little bit more minute that I think are great. And, you know, um, just like telling you not to undersell yourself because even if you are a recent grad, like your fresh perspective might be exactly what, you know, someone needs and when they're hiring a, a young designer um, and kind of giving you some boosts and get, get you out of the imposter syndrome world. So it, it really goes through all the steps of connecting with people, engaging with people on the platform, not just posting things, but it gives you tips on, you know, what captions to write if you do post a 
a piece um, and what, you know, what you found challenging, what you learned from it, the people that were involved, um, and then like how to stay interactive and following up with people that you want to talk to on it. So, hey, I think uh, I'm not the most active. You're not the most active on LinkedIn, but like if you are, all power to you. And if you're young and hungry, like I definitely think you should try using this. I, I think that's a great summary. Worth worth checking out. Yeah, this is a great lead into our nerd alert. It's nerd alert. Like we said earlier, we're talking about networking, Micah. Yeah, okay. So uh, when you first suggested that this is a topic that we could talk about today, I was like, shoot, what do I know about that? I don't know anything about that. What the heck? How am I supposed to be helpful in that way? And I think by just hearing you talk about some of the things that you have had success with made me realize there are actually some strategies that I know of, and I think I can share those too. I'm curious what, for you, some of the things that have worked and not been overwhelming have been okay. for you. That's, that's, that's a helpful place to start. I'm going to preface that question by talking about like why we're discussing this in the first place. And that is because I got an email from Isaac Abelson all the way from Norway. Mm. He said, hey, Livia, love the weekly typographic. I'm a young graphic design student. How did you get into the field and scene due to COVID here in Norway? I've been finding it hard being a student and making a network of people. Do you have any tips? Mm. So this is uh, us answering that question as best we can in a more general networking sort of vibe while also trying to hone in on some COVID specific tips too, because like we are in a pandemic. Wait, what? Um, Since when? <laughs> um, <laughs> very funny, Micah, very funny. But okay, I'll go back to your question. So things that I have found successful. Okay, so yes, networking is weird. Like even the word networking feels like a little dorky or a little dirty or maybe a little bit of both. So um, we're going to kind of break that into basically the tools that we have used that are not weird and icky and feel kind of good and make us feel good and other people feel good. Things that I've seen. I think I got really great advice from Lynn Yoon. Uh, I remember very early in my career, maybe I didn't even graduate college. And she was just like, the best way to network is to not network. The best mm. way to network is to uh, get yourself out there, not not to networking events, but find people that you want to be around, that you have similar interests with, connect with them in a variety of ways, be it the internet, be it in person, and just like be friendly, be open, be willing to talk to people, be willing to be curious about other people. I think that overall is like a great tip and lesson. But to talk about like kind of what my bullet points under that overall view would be is that like, okay, I think Lynn also said this. So sorry, Lynn, like stealing half of your tips, but getting yourself involved in like educational classes and Micah sorry I know I'm stealing your spotlight too but I think that can mean signing up for classes on things that you're interested in whether that be in your field or like not even in your field or teaching classes because I think a lot of us have a lot to give to the world especially if you know we're more than a few years into our industry and have something to share with the world automatically you're gonna find people that have similar interests that are 
you know, also looking to be a forever learner. And I think that like, it's a very organic way to engage with other people rather than like sitting at a networking event doing like speed network dating or whatever they do. I think that's a great tip. And then one other tip I'm going to go with before I hand the mic over to you is like keep in touch with like people that you were in school with. I mean, like it might seem like, oh, I'm a student, like I can't grow my network. You have a network. You have people that are learning alongside you that are equally hungry to like be in the industry and be a bright, young, fresh face. Outside of college, people will be going down different paths. And I, I just strongly encourage you to keep in touch. I think everyone will grow into their strengths even if like you know you guys all feel like a pool of students now and once everyone kind of grows into where they're fitting into the industry that will only benefit you to keep in touch with people maybe doing typography with people that are doing motion and understanding that you have that organic tie which was your education your classroom um so i highly suggest not discrediting that pre-existing uh, community that's interesting. Okay, I want to build on a couple of things that you said. One is that the the idea of like going to classes, and you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned they aren't necessarily classes about the topic that you're trying to become a professional in. They can be mm-hmm. some unrelated topic, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think if you... Basically, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I think is exactly what you're talking about that I got to when I was younger is networking is just making friends. And that's that's literally it. And and with that in mind, uh, friends in your industry want to help you out. It may seem at first glance like your competitors, but I can't yes. tell you how many times uh, somebody has been like, oh, you're better at this than me. Maybe we can work on it together and help each other out. Or like, I don't even want to do this job. Do you want it? Like that stuff happens all the time with people that you're close with. And so making friends in the industry is useful in that way. On the opposite end of that spectrum, making friends with people in totally different industries, you're then going to be the go-to person that they think of for being in your industry. Yes. And I remember somebody gave advice once about actually going to networking events back when that was a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, now a lot online, but whatever. You know, It's like if you're a designer and you go to a design conference, there's going to be a lot of designers there. And granted, the idea of like making friends is still true and, and building your network by making friends with similar interests. But if you try to pitch yourself as a designer at a design conference, you're going to be, you know, one in a bunch of designers. If you go to a conference for something that isn't related to what you do or isn't what you do, like if you go to like a front end coding conference, you're maybe going to be the only designer there and everybody's going to be like, oh, I need a designer and you're the one in front of me. That's really smart. Right? Like, I think both are useful techniques, and both essentially, too, are just making friends. But with people in your industry, it can go in one way, and people out of your industry can go in a different way, both of which help everybody. Yeah. Wow. I love that you bring that up. That's like that, that was a deeper level I didn't even think about going into. Right? I think, like, also, I feel like my parents are freaked out when I say this, but like, I embrace internet friendship. Like, Mm. I think that that's a thing that was so taboo because 
older people think the internet's a dangerous place where strangers <laughs> lurk, which is partially true. I'm not going to deny that there is some of that still. <laughs> but I literally have like a handful of people I have never seen in person, mm -hmm. but would like write a recommendation letter for them because I know they're fantastic people and they're my internet friends. And like, right. I don't know what else to tell you, especially during COVID. Obviously, when things are in real life, like events are a great place to go to, like not networking events, just like events related to things you enjoy. But those don't exist. Like virtual events, though, are so strong and real. I've met I've met great people at virtual events that like I keep in touch with on Instagram. Um, and that's conferences that either I'm I'm talking to or watching. Because, you know, if people are going to this conference and focusing on the same content you are, like they're clearly interested in the world around them and likely interested in meeting new people. If you go in there with that mindset, I have no doubt that like you'll meet some interesting people. You can make a connection. You can say, hey, let's let's grab coffee and talk over Zoom. You know, I think that's an incredible opportunity. I volunteered with an organization, Creatives for Kitchens back in like June, it was to help New York City restaurants get back on their feet, designing some creative collateral. One of the people on my team was a food stylist and we both found out we both liked experiential design. And so we hopped on a call independent of our teamwork together and just like talked for a bit and got to know each other. And since then we've like collaborated on pieces together while I'll do lettering for his food styling. Um, and like, we're just dear friends and wanna help each other grow and support as just young creatives in the world. And I think that like, that's a common scenario. Like I can't even tell you how many people I've reached out to Instagram being like, I love your work. I found it, I think it's great. And then sometimes they say nothing, but other times they're like, oh my God, your work's cool too. Like, mm. let's follow each other. Love to see like cool people making cool things. It happens more often than not, I promise you. But here's the thing. You look at that and you think that's intimidating. Like, I don't, how do you, how do you go from like, okay, we're like seeing each other exist to let's have a Zoom coffee chat. That feels like a big, scary boundary to cross. And in all honesty, I experienced this recently, and Olivia, you can attest to this because you, you were there for it. One of my tasks at the beginning of this year was to email our league members and see who wanted to chat and just be like, I haven't, I haven't met you yet, uh, in real life and it would be cool to know like what you think about the league and so I, I lined up a handful of zoom dates with people I'd never met and literally like it was terrifying for me right like I was a baby about it but every single one of those conversations I walked away being like oh my gosh that was so cool Olivia I gotta tell you about how cool this person was and like this was really fun and we bonded over these random things, totally unexpected, like Star Trek, Unicode, architecture, movies, like we talked about random stuff. And literally the piece that got me to those conversations was I just pushed myself off the ledge to just email and ask. And it was like a quick ask for everybody that I, that I asked who said yes. I was just like, hey, uh, we know each other from this. Like, can we chat? You want to chat? I'll set up a call. It was that. It was just literally saying, hey, you want to chat? And you being the courageous one means that they don't have to, and they're going to be grateful for that, too. So, like, that's, I want to say an easy way. Like, it still takes courage to push the button. But yeah. 
it's not a lot of things that you have to do. You literally just have to force yourself to ask. I think that's like a great, great advice. And like, if you are nervous, the worst thing that someone can say is no. It's like the worst thing. Or ignore you. They'll probably just ignore you and then it won't even be awkward. It sucks that we're in COVID. I think a lot of opportunities to like quote unquote network are a lot more difficult, but you know, show up. And it's like, there's only so much bad that can happen. And I swear it's not that much. to go to the party, even if you don't want to go to the party. That's exactly it. But now you can go to the party in like your PJs and at home. (laughs) I guess. But it doesn't make going to the party less intimidating. That's true. That's true. That's true. Okay. Um, So before we go, uh, there was one other piece that you mentioned that I would like to elaborate on, which I think is useful for everybody too, which is teaching. Yeah. I never knew that I was a teacher before I started teaching stuff. And I remember I, I, I learned that I could be a teacher by getting a actual job as a teacher teaching code and one of the most important things that i learned was like shoot when i teach people are showing up to come to me and that's that's like way less intimidating for me to meet people when other people are like hey i loved your thing that you posted on twitter or made a youtube video about or that article that you posted on medium posting something that you are learning about as you're learning about it on Twitter is like a thing like for people to gather around. Someone will mm. see it. They'll share it with somebody else. New people will find it. And especially if you keep that up as a pattern, more and more people will find it. It's just like the way the universe aligns. A piece of advice that someone gave me a long time ago that I've tried to share with absolutely everybody I could is that the best teacher is the person who is just one notch above you. Not like 10 notches, not a supreme expert. They're going to forget probably what it's like to be the ultimate beginner at the very bottom. Uh, The person who was just there and just learned how to get past that problem and learned a new thing is going to be like, oh, I'm enthusiastic about showing you my solution because I was just there. I get it. And so that could be you about so many things. So I think teaching is an alternative that you can use at the same time as what we were first talking about, about like seeking out friends. Teaching can be a way to draw friends to you at the same time. And if you use Mm -hmm. both of those at the same time, then you're pretty well covered. Engage as a human. Engage in the world around us. Engage in like the unknown and uh, be willing to engage with people you don't yet know. Humans are scary, huh? Ultimately, that's why networking feels so crazy. Is because humans are scary. But <laughs> friends are, like, really heckin' useful. Like, yeah. I'm so grateful for all of the friends that I talk to on a regular basis and can confide in and, like, ask advice. What a What a great way. topic. Thanks. Service level might not seem like the most fun topic, but I think it touches to some more like human parts to our lives, especially in this like very isolating time we're in. I really appreciate Isaac from Norway sending that in because who even knew we had all that in us? I know. I love it was like a little bit more of a conversational alert. We'll try to sprinkle those in every once in a while because me and you, Micah, we have some, you know, have some wisdom in here. It's almost like we're friends. 
How oh, how did we meet, him. Micah? How did we grow our network and include each other in them? That's funny. That's a good point. Okay, before we go, I'll tell that story. Yeah. Uh, so I was living in Brooklyn, and you were going to school in Brooklyn. I had no idea you existed, but I lived across from Pratt, where you went to school. And one day, my very artsy roommate was like, oh, hey, it's the Pratt Senior Show. I'm going to go over. And I was like... Okay, I, I guess I'll go too. Why not? That's a weird new thing. And so I walked over, and of the entire floor full of people, yours was the only one that had anything related to typography. You had a you had a beautiful font on display that I've been trying to get since I met you to put on the league. <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked at it, and okay, so this this is actually a useful, I think, thing to realize that like I am by nature extremely introverted, but the reason that I was able to just introduce myself to you uh, and say, "Hey, I love your font. Can you tell me about that?" was because I didn't have all this pressure in that interaction. It was literally me just giving like a nice stranger a compliment on her work. And then I went up to myself, I introduced myself, I said, hey, I'm Micah. And you were like, Micah? Micah, you just emailed me last week. And I was like, what? I did? <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I get the league's newsletter and it's signed by your name. And I was like, oh, snap, that's that's a very crazy thing. And so it kind of ties in the other side of it, too. Like, A, I just went there to just try to be friendly. And B, because I had been teaching stuff online, I happened upon this wonderful stranger who was like drawn to that knowledge big fan of the league even before i met the famous founder <laughs> like that's ridiculous it was amazing and we are friends going on four years that's wild that's a long time olivia i love it so good all right we'll let everyone go <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we're just gonna talk forever on this one the danger of the conversational nerd alert <laughs> Uh, okay. In any case, hopefully that was helpful to somebody at least kind of guiding you towards being a little bit less intimidated of talking to strangers, at most giving you some tips for different ways that you can expand your network even during COVID. Yeah. I love that uh, we had somebody email and send this in. So if anybody else has any things, email us. Why not? Please. Our door is always open. Last thing, actually. We forgot to mention this last week. We are starting to look for an intern that could help us out. We've been doing a lot of work uh, with all of the newsletter, with the podcast, with we've got books coming out and we're working on workshops and courses and all these things. And so we're starting to want somebody who really loves typography, who really cares about design and wants to learn a stuff and wants to learn a bunch of stuff and help us make stuff as we go forward. We kind of are looking for somebody who would be really fun to <laughs> joke around with and be nerdy. It is a great opportunity for someone that wants to know the ins and outs of kind of communicating to a larger audience and also teaching type and design, what that's all about. It's a paid opportunity. So in exchange for your fun times and great mind, um, you'll make some bucks alongside that. Yeah, we're not looking for anybody with tons of experience, just somebody who's like really passionate about it. 
Um, we're also certainly, it's not like a full-time thing. It's going to be like, help us out a few hours a week, and we'll, you know, show you some of the ropes. So if that sounds at all interesting to you, and you want to just chat about it, good networking opportunity, <laughs> reach out and say hey, and we'll just chat about it. And just, you know, DM us on Instagram, Twitter, or message us an email. <laughs> yes. And by that, I mean just email. <laughs> Uh, all right. In any case, we're going to have fun, great stuff for you next week. And in the meantime, stay awesome, my friends. <laughs>